So, what are we talking about for this episode? We are uh, getting, what, erotic again? Has it been a while since we got <laughs> into bondage play? Have we ever done that on this show, uh, other than Josh's own personal history when he was on, <laughs> on this podcast? Personal anecdotes aside, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. There was a Rosie O'Donnell S&M comedy, which seems ripe for a sober cinema discussion. I guess we'll save that for the day that we want to go blind and never watch movies again. <laughs> <laughs> he was a kid. I think that was like 94 ish. Uh, yeah. I, even then I was like, who is this for? <laughs> <laughs> who asked for this? Whose empowerment are we going for? Man, here? Adults are strange. I never want to be like that. Cyanide for my eyes. <laughs> scotch on the rocks please any scotch will do as long as it's not a blend of course uh single malt blend olivet blend fitting perhaps maybe a blend gown any blend i'm thirsty i want a beer what about you you want a beer just a drink a martini shaken not stirred <laughs> yeah so this is the 30th anniversary tie me up tie me down I guess went into American release on May 1st, 1990, and uh, a few days later, May 4th, <clears throat> we have uh, we have yet another horror anthology, and I promise you, Jared, not on mm. purpose, one of these fucking things is about a damn cat. Again, the middle segment. Had no idea. I was uh, rem reminded of my tweet to Jason Siegel that one time that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> about the Muppet movie? About about the Muppets and Puppets. I was like, oh, God, goddamn cats. And then Stephen King, of course. They, I, I, I guarantee you it's Stephen King on this one. What, uh, what was the reasoning when he had a horror anthology that we covered weeks ago on this podcast from what? What was that? Four five years earlier? Five, I think, yeah. Called Cat's Eye. Don't <laughs> use this. Was it, if, if this existed at that time, why? Well, why? You, you, as you said, the gladiator cat has to maintain a uh, a hero like it was a it was uh, a hero's journey saga. A hero's yeah. journey saga yeah. for the cat. This one's a little bit. Uh, uh, you could argue that he's a hero, maybe depending on whose side you took. Yeah, his methods are a little bit worse though. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Let's uh, you know what? Let's just start with this one. I I think right. it's one of those flipped type things where tales from the dark side. Like, let me put the numbers in front of me here. Uh, okay, so tales from the dark side made sixteen million dollars, and tie me up, tie me down made four million. Now this is just talking about domestically here in the states. Critically, tie me up, tie me down. Well, first off, it's it's a movie I'd heard of, and it helps to have a young Antonio Banderas in it as the bondage freak which uh you know makes it a little <laughs> bit more palatable right you have this uh i don't know I, I told my wife he was an escapee from insane asylum but he actually isn't in this film he's he served his time and is being allowed <laughs> to be released but he goes right back to the craziness <laughs> so he kidnaps someone steals a walkman but we'll, we'll start with tales from the dark side because at least back in uh you know the glory days of america <laughs> early 90s i guess uh, this would have been the populist hit, and it would have it would take years for, uh, I guess, cinephiles to say no. Actually, well, actually, tie me up, tie me down. So we'll start there because we've already jumped onto the cat thing. 
Now, these four masters of everlasting horror bring to the screen four tales of overwhelming terror. <laughs> I warned them, but they wouldn't listen. Tales of diabolical fate. You promised you'd never die! Tales of ghastly revenge. Grow, O oh light. Rise, O oh light. Come forth, O oh light. Open his eyes. Tales of ruthless evil. That cat has killed three people in this household. I don't believe this. Kill it, bury it, and bring me its tail. Tales from the dark side. Well, that just about takes care of that, doesn't it? Come, live the nightmare of your choice. <laughs> Tales from the dark side. <laughs> the movie. I, I I wasn't even aware. I guess this, there was a successful uh, TV series called Tales from the Dark Side in the 80s. That never uh, it. I'd never heard of it. I, I probably would have, and if someone had mentioned it, I probably would have just confused it with Tales from the Crypt from the, mm-hmm. was that late 80s, early 90s on HBO? I I think that one's Which, stuck around a little bit more in the pop culture. Had its series of movies, so. I can't say I've ever seen any of the Tales from the Crypt. Uh, even, uh, let's see, those came out in the mid 90s. I think then I thought, uh, why? <laughs> <laughs> why, do, why do we need like a 90 minute like because then it's no longer tales from the crypt is it like if you're doing like a 90 minute feature isn't that part of the charm of it these are going to be very short little snack bite size horror stories they're telling yeah if it's not anthology based i really I, you make a good point even though bordello of blood had its uh certain it was the lady uh, who was it <laughs> i can't remember which I, i'd have to look up the actual cast list but you know it appealed to 10-year-old Jared or 12-year-old Jared. Still does to almost 40-year-old Jared, but... I'm thinking there was another one with uh, Jada Pinkett. Was in, I don't know if it was the one before Bordello of Blood or if it came after. Mm. I know there's one other one. Good God, Jared. Bordello of Blood has Corey Feldman as the uh, top listed. I don't recognize any of these, uh, any of these names here at all. It's, it's sad to say what I'm thinking. Was Karma Electra... In that, and it's like, no, she's too high class. <laughs> or <laughs> fucking Dennis oh, Miller, boy. Jesus. Twelve percent. Yeah, that was Dennis Miller was the uh, the hero of the film. <laughs> Erica Elianick, Angie Everhart. I've heard of her. Angie Everhart. That might have been. Is that who they were? Uh, okay. I don't know if that one's aged well. I don't know if that'll get a sober cinema uh, episode. But sure, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, mainly turned into Mike and Jared senile brains at the movies trying to like, what was that again? <laughs> Fuck it. We'll just watch it and record on it. <laughs> I wish you called this podcast do what now? Question mark. <laughs> so if you're like us and you have uh, the vaguest sense of what uh, Tales from the Dark Side is, uh, we got uh, three stories here and... Uh, Yes, as Jared mentioned, Stephen King, this was produced by George A. Romero, and it apparently was supposed to be the third creep show, and for whatever reason, uh, didn't didn't happen. Um, I also think uh, Cat's Eye held that. <laughs> that, <laughs> that time. I don't know what was going on with creep show at the time, but uh, they really were obsessed with it, and then it was like, fuck it, we'll do our own. So 
I I didn't know what I was getting here other than the box art, which I did buy at a discount. I think I sent you a text like, hey, it's weird. Uh, Apple is like reading Sober Cinema's mind because uh, Tales <laughs> from the Dark Side is on sale for five bucks. So now uh, it is in my permanent collection. It has uh, Steve Buscemi and Christian Slater on the cover, which is not a natural pairing. And they're in the first uh, chapter of this with, of course, Christian Slater being one of the, the elite, like the skulls or something with Pacey mm-hmm. and uh, Too Fast, Too Furious, uh, preppy guy and him and his buddy quasi pick on Steve Buscemi and this weird who gets a grant type thing, which I, <laughs> I I don't really know and it doesn't really matter. It's just you have to see Mr. Pink's face to know like, oh, <laughs> even as a grad student. <laughs> He's getting picked on. He's getting dunked in the toilet, shoved in the lockers, and he plays it to the hilt that way. He's this is not a subtle performance from uh oh, no. Mr. Pink here. Uh you know, there's a reason <laughs> there's a reason for people getting typecast. I'm sorry, like the dude's just always gonna be that kind of like off to the side guy that's always kind of weird. I mean, he, I, I don't want to besmirch the guy, but he is just kind of weird looking. So when you need a looking person, the teeth has the a teeth. lot to do with it. There, yeah, because uh, I'm looking at the rest of him, and his eyes. He has like just large features for such a mm-hmm. small, slender man. His eyes a little bit too big, but you can deal with that. And I think on mm-hmm. women, it actually probably uh, helps. If I, I don't know if there's like some sort of scientific study, but it's like oh, they're more attractive with the big doe eyes. Not Mr. Pink. I don't think that's ever been written about him. <laughs> in that regard. It's like it's like God was throwing like darts at a dartboard when he was like thinking of the features for poor Steve's face. It just done none of it goes together. I mean he's made a career out of it, but yeah, it, it's yeah, yeah, also not subtle. There's a there's a, another anthology movie uh from eighty nine. Woody Allen, Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola. And it's in the Scorsese segment where Steve Buscemi plays the other man, like the hot younger man. (laughs) (laughs) And I, it it took me, well, I mean, it's three parts and I'm pretty sure I checked out because I think that was the first one. And I couldn't even tell you what happened in the other two because I was trying to wrap my head around this. And I think, I think Scorsese pulled it off. Because that's, he's, that's believable to you. That's Steve Buscemi <laughs> commanding mummies. <laughs> I, I had no problem with that. That's fine. Believable. <laughs> yeah, this guy, he just has a mummy delivered to his fucking apartment, which I don't know. But yes, whatever. <laughs> Tales from the Dark Side. But New York Stories with uh, Marty, uh, the master Scorsese, having Nick Nolte. And we're talking about maybe not prime Nick Nolte, but right before he fell off a, a drunken cliff, Nick Nolte. Uh, and Nick Nolte is playing this long-haired alcoholic painter who's awesome. I mean, all those things. Nick Nolte is a long-haired alcoholic painter who wouldn't want to fuck him, right? Well, apparently, <laughs> this not watching that. <laughs> who was it? Rosanna Arquette says, "I don't know. I think Steve Buscemi's looking pretty good right now." And you can imagine Nick Nolte just rages for like a half hour about <laughs> the. <laughs> you know, of all the anthology movies I've programmed. Um, mm. I'm not saying that one's very good because, uh, as I said, maybe I was in the wrong headspace. I remember Coppola and Woody Allen's being pretty bad, pretty much a waste of time. The Scorsese one is a masterpiece, though, and it's, I think it's just because <laughs> because of that setup. I'm just so tuned into this guy's rage that I just want to see how he handles this very specific problem. Uh, we once had a friend, <laughs> friend of a friend, uh, and 
I won't name names here, just in case they're one of our dozen listeners. <laughs> you'll get the, you'll know who I'm talking about, Jared. Uh, who was Steve Buscemi esque? I guess as far as not, he, he would not be seen as a, a cock of the walk walking into a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may actually believe a story of this mutual friend of ours that uh, he had a mummy delivered to his place <laughs> at that point in his life. Kind of strange, off the beaten path. <laughs> and he strangely started seeing this girl that was the ex. Like, she rebounds with our version of Steve Buscemi off of a guy who uh, <laughs> was a musician, was good-looking, and he couldn't, he was also raging like Nick Nolte. And so our stupid friends being the assholes, they are convinced him to quote unquote, make him feel better that our version of Steve Buscemi now looked like Guy Pierce that had <laughs> had gotten <laughs> pristine physical condition and looked like a cool guy <laughs> just to make it palatable. And I don't know, maybe that was a kindness, Jared. Maybe if someone told Nick Nolte, like, no, no, he's actually hot now. You're doing him the service, but in the real world, all it did was drive this guy mad. <laughs> he just was bouncing off the, off the walls trying to <laughs> put those pieces together. The psychology there to be like, well, if he knows how ugly he is, <laughs> it will destroy him. So we have to tell him that this is like Prince Charming. It didn't take, though, because he just couldn't He couldn't make that leap in logic. Like I guess like I could, that Steve Buscemi can be hot, and the Rosanna Arquette really wants to, to bang him. That is not in this film that we're talking about. Uh, this this one, as you said, he buys a mummy. Uh, these people have screwed him over, the good-looking folks who are rich. And uh, they they got his grant money for his research or whatever the fuck. And uh, he he learned some, what, Emotep or whatever it was from the Brendan Fraser <laughs> <laughs> version. And he, he can wake this fucker up and he goes and the mummy goes and kills people. Um that's really about as deep as it gets. I mean, with these type of <laughs> movies, there's not a whole lot as far as like, twi- like the twist is uh, usually reserved for like the very last shot. And this one has it. Um, I, I, I felt like, and I think if I had seen the TV series, I don't know. It says it was just syndicated. So I'm guessing you know, HBO, the tales from the crypt version. Um, I'm guessing they could have adult content since it was HBO. You know, you could have nudity, you could have foul language violence. And, yeah. What I kept struggling with not having seen the show, Jared, is wondering that if I was a fan of it and I went to see a feature-length film, does this one go far enough to deserve to be? Like, like why did you make a movie if... Because like, it's not particularly gory. Uh, mm. It's not particularly erotic. We'll get to that later. That's why we have Tommy up, Tommy down. <laughs> I guess it would just be one of those things where I'm just like, why Why couldn't these just be three separate episodes of this series? What What is it that, had, that deserved feature-length status, except for... Stephen King's obsession with cat stories again. <laughs> I don't know. I had that same thought going into it in the <clears throat> while I was watching it. I didn't know if it was the limitation of the medium or not, but like I was like, man, this is maybe a step up from like somewhere between Goosebumps and an actual horror movie. Like this is like <sighs> Goosebumps plus for <laughs> 17 and 18 year olds maybe or something. I I don't know. It was it, it, it can't be the limitations, though, because as I worked myself through it, I was like, man, it's just not its not scary. Like, none of it's scary. Like, it's... That's more like, huh. I, that, like, a, like a campfire kind of story of, like, and then what happened? And just as <laughs> just, we just, were talking about this one, it doesn't take that long to tell the story. 
<laughs> no, we, none of it's deep. I mean, it's not. And it's maybe us or me where I'm like, let me tell you about another movie that's not even on this fucking episode. <laughs> we'll talk about it for a half hour instead. No, no bigger indictment on how I, on how you feel about a movie. That actually you know should Let's be a rating system on a podcast. How quickly do you jump to anything else? <laughs> Literally any other movie. <laughs> Let's talk about anything else. I just looked. Uh, this is this is rated R. I, di- I didn't know it was well, like. We uh we talked about that with Black Christmas where we're like yeah you can mm-hmm. feel it you can feel where they had to pull their punches and uh, mm-hmm. they I mean they can't revel in uh something that would make it for for that particular movie so over the top as far as its uh, political stances for every single character this one here I don't know make the mummy fight a little uh, little better like they they do have some uncomfortable moments with the cat and I guess I'll spoil this. Uh, this is probably the one that I like the premise of the most. Uh, going back to my liking to see an old man rage <laughs> about things. This one with the, uh, the the cat from hell is the name of it. You have just an old man, and who is this guy who just like seems like he was always like playing? I mean, he has this horrible like sort of pallor to him. He always looks like he's on he's death's door, and he didn't pass in real life until like the end of the nineties. But you recognize him as like the sick old man from like everything. What is that guy's name? William Hickey. William Hickey. Uh, he was apparently the voice of doc- Dr. Finkelstein in uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, you you would recognize him. I think if yeah, someone watches yeah. enough movies, he's you know he's just a recognizable face and voice. And man, he's <laughs> An on old fuck- sick man. <laughs> he's on fucking tilt here. He's in the wheelchair. He's in this huge, dark like mansion. He's hiring uh, a fairly cliched hitman. <laughs> it's got like, well, you're of... Uh, some Italian descent, aren't you? You've got the sort of the <laughs> the goomba look going, and it's a setup for a lot of fun. I don't know if it succeeds at that because the the premise is this old man says you've got to kill that cat, and then he just points over, and there's the cat just sitting there looking at him, and he starts to go on and on about how this cat has killed and will kill again, and like stops at nothing. And the guy, of course, doesn't believe him. I think I could have had the whole like half hour segment. Of just this guy trolling this old man, like yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, mm, yeah, and like going going full Arnold Commando, putting the the, the, the stripes <laughs> on his face, <laughs> gearing up Neo from the Matrix, and this cat just sits there the whole time. But then they actually follow through with it, Jared, and I thought I would dig it, and I didn't. I didn't dig a gunfight with a cat as much as I thought I would. <laughs> This is one of those things where you, you know, someone had told me this. Hey, Stephen King wrote this part of a movie where an assassin tries to kill a cat and is shooting at it, and the cat like jumps on his face and like enters him. (laughs) Like (laughs) all this sounds like something like, oh, I've got to see that. But now I've spent five bucks on it, and I'm like, eh, I could have used that five dollars elsewhere. I could (laughs) have. That's a milkshake or something. What, What about you? I'm hoping you had at least some fun with it. Uh, I, it, was, it was great fun. I uh, I had to stop myself for a moment because when he goes through how this cat kills people, <laughs> I was in hysterics. Like, in particular, there's that one where he, he humps does, or he or she humps the lady's face. <laughs> the face hugger part, like alien. Like, yeah, God, just will not remove free. itself from a, just the to cat. suffocate her. The a cat, cat. by wrapping itself around her. This head. isn't a big cat either. This is a normal no, sized house cat. This is. I don't know. I think they lost me with the how it 
kills him. Like I was on board for it to be like, <clears throat> you've got this cat going fucking gorilla tactics on a <laughs> on a hitman with a gun. <laughs> so he leaps out of the shadows and stretches him across the face. <laughs> I was I was on board, and then it got too too silly. You went too far. When it jumps down his throat, I was like, uh, there's like I, your, your money shot, right? That's they're like, all mm-hmm. right, we're going to give you, there's a reason for it to be R rating, but I don't, I don't know if it's just, it's the gore. It's just the idea. It's the conception of a cat going down your throat and then coming out your stomach. I don't know. Like, and the, the fact that the old man, spoiler alert for cat from hell, classic <laughs> from 1990, the fact that the old man dies, from, I guess, a heart attack or something, like doesn't get his pills in time. No, man. A- after we've seen what that cat can do, go all out. Like, you know, go... <laughs> Shortchanged. <laughs> Have him decapitate the old man. I don't know. Like, just... Uh, it was not that uh, far removed. It's weird to me. So there's a uh, a movie we've not covered on this podcast. I know it's like sort of a, a favorite of our, our particular group. And when I say particular group, just I just mean just sober cinema. Just like mm-hmm. me, you, and... uh uh, previously, uh, host, uh, Josh, who is presumably tied up somewhere by his wife and enjoying every <laughs> second of it. Um, <laughs> uh, Kung Pao, which <laughs> the worst parts of that movie are the outlandish fights with animals that he yeah. has. Like the, when they stick to the mystery science theater concept, it's fantastic. <laughs> but it's weird to me that those are like, all right, we've got to give the kids something here. Like you can tell, like. It's a little bit outside of what they wanted to do, so but they just filmed some stuff with very bad CGI animals fighting. Like, I think at one point he fights a cow. <laughs> it's weird that I thought of that, where I'm like, all right, give the kid something. And this is supposed to be, like, the most extreme, horrific moment in the movie. And I'm like, this is, this and Kung Pao, about the, st- <laughs> about the same thing. <laughs> You're not, not fooling me. <laughs> Let's say a killer house cat attacking you with karate kicks and claws. <laughs> You're really not that far off. Think back to uh, Cat's Eye when we actually do have a cat mm-hmm. that has been called by little Drew Barrymore the whole time to fight this little, you know, troll goblin that lives in her walls. Even that, the cat didn't go outside the bounds of how a cat would actually fight. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he just swipes, hisses, swipes, hisses, et cetera. Uh, th- there was the use of a record player, but whatever. It's not like the cat <laughs> assembled the record player or went and purchased it from his local Best Buy, like as a weapon. <laughs> not that, but here the cat, as you said, they they are really uh, going for the uh, the Ridley Scott uh, alien thing—a chest bursting scene, uh, the face hugger. <laughs> I don't know. I was so amused by this old man. I, I think I just want the story to go that no, the old man's just fucking crazy, I- and <laughs> just let him babble on for like a half hour. I considered that angle. I was like, Stephen King, uh, you know, has these moments where it's it's more, uh, more much more subtle than a lot of obviously you know horror movies of the times. Uh, I was thinking maybe the horror could be dementia setting in and this old man <laughs> <laughs> imagining this cat killing all these people. Well, I mean, if but, he, well, think of this dude like just says, okay, you just hand me five grand or whatever. Mm. The agreed upon prices to to kill a cat at that point in the mid or the the early nineties uh, shoots the cat, and then the next day, what's this guy going to ask for? Like, I just I just imagine there could be a whole series of things that he points out <laughs> the window and says that thing is a demon spawn that kills and has, it will kill again. <laughs> it's killed everyone I know and love. Go kill it, and that beleaguered hitman just like 
all right. Like just, <laughs> just bodies piling up of squirrels, <laughs> lizards, everything just every day. Uh, I don't know. Like maybe just lean more, obviously more humor there, but it would be a, a sad, horrific state for that hitman to have to like put up with that nonsense. Like, <laughs> I guess it would just be a matter of, I mean, I'm a probably more of an animal lover than this particular, uh, assassin is or a lover of life but you know you could make this a workplace comedy an extreme workplace comedy yeah. with this old man hitman housemaid sure <laughs> hitman housekeeper <laughs> so the last one is called lover's vow and it is um well it's got uh you know i've already mentioned commando we have uh, a lovely lady that uh assists arnold in that movie Radon Chong is uh, back, and I don't know how long she uh, appeared in just <laughs> absolute <laughs> nonsense, but God bless her. Uh, where, um, I don't know, some sort of artist, down on his luck, leaves a bar, and a gargoyle uh, attacks, kills the bartender in front of him, uh, gives him uh, like a little love tap across the chest, and I'm makes sorry. this weird... What's that? Your deadpan killed me there. <laughs> a gargoyle attacks. <laughs> I will admit. Okay, on on that note, sorry. I think I only knew that because I was just like I was the cat's cat from hell thing. Just mm. it just stopped me dead in my tracks. Where right? I was just like, what in the fuck were they doing? <laughs> This time, and How I got on. Coke did they go through? I got on Wikipedia, and I, I saw or on IMDb one, and they were like, "Yeah, they changed it from the original story uh, to a gargoyle." So I, I spoiled myself. Mm. Would I necessarily have known that? I mean, the, this I'm you know this is not what the uh, <laughs> the classic Disney animated series gargoyles or whatever that <laughs> no, has its own little no. weird Steve Buscemi like fan base, but. Um, it just looks like a disgusting turd-like monster that's standing in front of you. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if I'd watched it. I would have been like, oh, yeah, that's a gargoyle. I'd just been like, oh, God, get this off the screen. <laughs> Hideous. But this uh, shit demon uh, makes the man who is just is drunk and is basically told, hey, you've got no money. No one likes what you do. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, I guess. And he's <laughs> coming out the door. He sees the bartender beheaded, uh, like arm ripped off, all that shenanigans. And this poop monster just scratches him <laughs> on the chest and is like, hey, I'll let you live. Just uh, promise that you'll never mention anything about me or what happened here. You're good, right? And, well, I mean, what do you... <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> What's your choices? <laughs> I, uh, I will say this is the one that is probably of all the particular uh, twists, if you will, this is the one that to me is the most telegraphed because it's, it's such a weird opening to like a scary story that he runs off the street and then almost immediately enter Ray Don Chong as a just beautiful woman who is out in the middle of seemingly the middle of nowhere in this downtown city where nothing's open looking for a taxi cab. Of town. <laughs> and so I'm just like, oh, cool. Okay, I, I see what's happening here. And it's it's just everything is just nice. Until the twist, which I don't know, man. I don't. I guess I'm just not that good of a guy. Like the the twist here in this one is that he has had it's ten years, right? Ten years later. Yeah, ten years. He's had two kids with this beautiful woman. He's uh, financially stable again for whatever reason. People like his art. Basically, they're giving you shorthand that 
life is as perfect as can be. Mm-hmm. And I guess some people just don't don't want that. Right? It just doesn't do it for them anymore. <laughs> Never happy. Never happy with anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it speaks to <laughs> the idea of, I guess, marriage and kids. So shout out to Superfan Hyro, who's got a brood of his own. Like, do you just after you make this pact with this gargoyle, ten years of it, do you just be like, eh, kind of bored? <laughs> Roll the dice. I want to talk about that thing. <laughs> That's the one at the end. Like I was envisioning in my head, like <clears throat> the the ending that they gave us. What 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 do you have to complain about? Like you're obviously happy. You're happy with your kids. You're happy with your agents. You're happy. You're much no, Jared. Ha- he can't handle having one single admitted bit of history from his wife, uh-huh. which, which led to a whole other thing. I'm like, like the other ones, I'm like, well, you could play this completely differently if you just put off mm-hmm. the the scary tale aspect of it. Like, you're telling me he's he's told her everything he's ever done in his life, any mm-hmm. other sex act he's had with another woman, all that's on the table, but now i got to get to my that gargoyle one. bit. I've been holding it for <laughs> 10 years. That, that one secret can't stay that you... I mean, it's no bearing on me. Like, I didn't kill the guy. I, I mean, <laughs> he, he is truly an innocent bystander in this. Yeah, he had nothing to do with it. So I, I thought it would be much better if he was, like, fucking miserable, like, hated his life. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know he, what? You know how I miss? I miss that gargoyle. That's. <laughs> I mean, you can make it kinkier when he's, like, enough of the human flesh. <laughs> he, he, eventually, he eventually has a falling down moment where he's like, fuck it, enough! You know what it was? It was a gargoyle. Fucking kill him. Scene over. I, the one thing I haven't fucked yet, a gargoyle. Bring it back. <laughs> Up here before me. And then the twist is, no, actually you have. <laughs> you've no, been doing you've been it for doing 10 years. For a while. There, there's nothing left. There's no greener grass anywhere, my man. <laughs> you, you've tasted the gargoyle, puss. <laughs> Might as well die now. <laughs> I fucked the gargoyle. There's no... <laughs> There's nothing else for me. <laughs> All downhill from here. <laughs> Oftentimes, I know we get the wrong message from these things. Where it's like <laughs> I think our message was much better. And we've not even mentioned the wraparound story here, which just sucks. It's yeah, no, it's it is no right. Drew Barrymore calling out to Champion Cat. It, it is the weakest, <laughs> lamest thing that you've seen a thousand times before. Yeah. And who is the uh, obnoxious kid here? Who is this? Did they go uh, and do anything? I recognize this kid. See, I recognize his He's face. He's the son and Mrs. Doubtfire. Wow. Oh, okay. That's, he definitely uh, hated him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He sucked in that too. <laughs> Matthew Lawrence. Does he have any relation to uh, Joey Lawrence that uh, was the teen idol? Yep. He is, huh? Joey Lawrence's brother. Does that ever pain you, Jared? How like? <laughs> <laughs> not saying you or I should be Joey or uh, the son of Mrs. Doubtfire or, you know, we're destined to be that. <laughs> but the fact that everything is like so calculated where it's like, it really is like some sort of a uh, social circle where it's like, mm-hmm. all right, you're, uh, you're, uh, you're in the business. So I guess uh, your two kids put them in something, put them in tales from the dark side. Cause that's just, that's their destiny. No matter how much they suck ass like this kid does. You mean we got Blossom's younger brother. He's going to be good for something. <laughs> yeah, might as well use him. <laughs> that came across as like <laughs> not touching that. All right, on to our uh, <laughs> sex thriller where there is not a child tied up like there is in Tales from the Dark Side. It's a fully grown, non consenting adult woman. So that, <laughs> that makes it better. <laughs> Much lighter, yes. All right, so this was, I read a little bit of this. Um, 
was not uh, immediately embraced. Uh, tie me up, tie me down from director Pedro Almodovar, who uh, I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff, Jared. I I don't know <laughs> what not. I don't even know what his like most famous movie would be as far as for American audiences because he, he you know he, he does a shit over in Spain. You know, he just, it's not like he's someone that's like, oh, I got to cross over and do a Transformers movie. No, he's, and I've seen a few of them, uh, but he's kind of like Woody Allen in the, the regard that I think he works a lot. So I think it's like almost like a movie every couple of years or every year. Uh, so I'm by no means an expert, but the ones I've seen, dude likes beautiful ladies. He likes <laughs> sex. Is this on brand? <laughs> it's good for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I like what, I like what he's doing. So, uh. This one, I sent you a picture because there's a sequence where, in this one, our beautiful lady, after being accosted by her uh, director, she's an actress uh, doing, like, uh, it looks like a Tales from the Dark Side style horror movie. Uh, some weird muscle-bound former porn star in a, uh, like, gimp mask or whatever. Like, he looks like <laughs> an extra from, like, Mad Max. Uh, he's trying to kill her. He's the slasher. And uh, everyone seems to love her, right? Everyone's sort of obsessed mm. with her. The director is this, uh, I guess, recently a stroke victim that's, like, working on his, like, last film, like, his masterpiece. And uh, it doesn't appear to be that. But um, at one point, he becomes enraptured with his starlet and decides to let her live, let her be the, the final girl. And uh, I guess it mirrors the fact that we have Antonio Banderas as the... Uh, released mental patient who immediately goes looking for her, gets on the set, steals a Walkman from her sister slash assistant, uh, a pretty awesome wig that he puts on. He does this <laughs> the early sort of grunge metal look thing he's going for. And uh, yeah, she's got a lot of, a lot of male attention. And uh, what does she do after she denies all of them? She goes home and masturbates with a child's <laughs> toy, uh, like a little scuba Steve type thing that <laughs> zooms around in the tub. And she puts it puts it where it needs to be, I guess, Jared. Right on the money, I suppose. <laughs> I, I was like, I got to get Jared off the fucking video games. I got to get him watching this movie. So I'm just going to tell him, hey, man, here's what you got coming up. Look at that. Look at it. <laughs> Look at it. Uh, God, it's, I kept waiting for the funny parts. Like, I mean, that, that, <clears throat> what you sent me was funny, but it's also like, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> There's multiple parts in this movie where I'm like, what the hell am I watching? This type of zany humor just isn't translating across the uh, Atlantic Ocean, I suppose. I did read a review where someone said this was mislabeled. A uh, like a a comedy, like that it was mm -hmm. pretty much a melodrama because you have sequences where the villain of the piece, if you want to call him that, Antonio Banderas, I mean, he is the one committing a crime by kidnapping this woman and I guess rapes her. I don't know. I don't. I mean, I it, the it's very the, the lines are definitely blurred here, right? Because she, mm. uh, you've seen enough of these type of thrillers where even when there's a sex act between them, I'm thinking like, okay, what is she? This is part of some plan where she's got something where she's gonna. She has a weapon what? somewhere. She's going to kill him. Uh, instead, she seems to take to him, which was part of the, I guess, the controversy at the time when it came out that it, uh, the way it handles, you know, domestic abuse of sorts or, or, uh, you know, how a woman responds to their, their captor. Um, not to say that this guy should be, should be totally unsympathetic because if he is had a problem with mental health, 
and he seems to have good reasons because he grew up abandoned and he has this like obsession with a, a domesticated life. He doesn't even tell her like as soon as he kidnaps her, like I can't, I'm going to like have sex with you repeatedly. Like when he's taking her clothes on and off, he has <laughs> this monologue to himself. Like, don't, don't touch there. You're not allowed to touch that place. And, <laughs> like he's talking about like, you know, Oh, she's so hot. Maybe I should like masturbate, but I can't do it in the same room as her. Like that would be unseemly. And what he says to her is that I will be the, the, you know, the best husband I can be and the best father I can be. Like what he wants is, uh, I love Lucy sitcom type mm. lifestyle. And that's definitely weird for an erotic thriller. So it it's erotic melodrama. I, I, I don't know where you have <laughs> these two, two damaged people that are like, ah, maybe I, maybe I just need to be with someone totally fucked up. Maybe that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the ticket. And, and she's got interesting sex toys that you can play with when you're done. After you get <laughs> off, you can just revert back to childhood and just play in the tub. Antonio Banderas walking around Scuba Steve in his ass. <laughs> My turn. Shout out to uh, our dearly departed co-host Josh. <laughs> probably he, he probably has like a "This is forty style moment with that. You know, with the. I'm, I'm sure he looked at that like fucking amateurs. <laughs> Think of all the places you can go with that thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i i struggled with this one uh mental illness is such a, a a touchy subject no matter what time frame we're in so like you said there's not it's not like completely unsympathetic for the dude i i, I know there's going to be <laughs> if there were any feminists that watch this movie there's going to be absolute screeching he does commit a crime the, there's no way around that no i mean there's no forgiving anything that he did but, but we have but he to still wonder. gets the girl. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it works. Maybe that's the route you need to go is what Mike's saying. <laughs> you basically, will love me. <laughs> basically, he's told to stop being a thief. Stop stealing people's Walkman. Um, and then we can You're work my, with the rest. <laughs> Your greatest sin. Stop stealing wigs. <laughs> he, uh, he does have to like give like a brief interview about his... Uh, skills that he's acquired if he's like a good uh craftsman a plumber he he like lists off things he could do around the house and they're like well all right we'll work with it yeah you did kidnap my sister and tie her up for you know the better part of a, a weekend and he's very forgiving of her drug habit <laughs> i don't i don't know if this is painting that this is an idyllic uh couple because she's like oh i used to have quite the heroin problem, so uh, you know any sort of pain pills won't work for this toothache that I've got. So you're gonna have to go back to the big stuff. And he's like, "Well, just tell me where to go, and I'll go pick that up, along with <laughs> laundry or pizza or whatever else you need." Um, you know, here's the this is gonna make me sound bad, Jared. Here's the thing I like the least about the guy: is it kidnapping a woman? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not, that's not the worst thing about him, Mike says. It is him mugging another woman. So, yeah, there are issues here for, for any, you know, the feminist at the time, I totally get, or or now. But um, he beats, well, he doesn't beat up like he like completely puts her in the hospital. But he steals the drugs from her, doesn't pay for them, uh, and just, you know, knocks her down and runs off. Now, he eventually gets the shit kicked out of him because an idiot that he is, he goes back to drug town, <laughs> I guess. And she's like, "Hey, there's Antonio Banderas, but he's not wearing a mustache now. Uh, but how many dudes? <laughs> how many dudes look like Antonio Banderas? 
only one. It's you. <laughs> one. Uh, that was actually the thing I ha- I hated the most about him was you're going to to score drugs and you're just a maniac. Like you've already kidnapped one one woman and now at the drop of the hat you start beating another to get drugs. <laughs> I was like, come on, man! Like can't because his whole thing, his quest object, the princess here is he's saying that they hooked up once before while he mm-hmm. was, I guess, an escapee from a mental asylum. And he, whatever connection he thought they had, he believes in it, right? So if you're if you're being sympathetic to him, you have to be like, well, this is what he believes his destiny is. And we've seen a lot of love stories in that regard, and most of them are not healthy. Certainly not this one. But what is this poor? What is this woman on the street trying to trying to earn a buck? She's trying to provide drugs <laughs> for your girlfriend that you kidnapped, and you smack her around. Like if you don't if you don't have the money for it, that's that is poor form. I, I couldn't really couldn't hurt your it. case. Uh, don't don't think this way about me because I'm kidnapping a woman and then he goes out and beats the first one. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that was I was like, come on, man. <laughs> You're really painting a bad picture, Antonio. I can't pull for you. You're a fucking maniac, man. Just like <laughs> <laughs> This man is legitimately crazy because he went back to the same drug spot after he assaulted a drug dealer. <laughs> hey, I need more drugs. <laughs> Even when he uh after he is uh, broken into this actress's place, he's uh, trying to make his case on how he's not a threat, uh, even though he's repeatedly, as the, the title states, he's going to have to tie her up. Mm-hmm. And I guess there's a sweet moment, supposedly sweet moment later, where he uh, says, this will be the last time I tie you up. Uh, but at least initially, he's like, hey, this is just it's just how we got to do things until you love me, baby. You understand? Uh, that's his version of courtship. <laughs> she says to him, who are you? And he responds, the guy who attacked you. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yes, but is Just that asking a deeper question? Is that a bullet point you want to go back to, my man? Now, I, I like that the movie almost immediately in regards to that question, uh, she throws a glass to his face and hits him right in the eye, which <laughs> I did enjoy. I, I probably shouldn't enjoy Antonio Maderas getting beaten up or kicked in the face while he's on the ground. There is something to someone so incredibly handsome that's uh, having a tough time of it that I enjoyed. I also would have enjoyed the movie more if he wore the wig the entire time. I think that would have been awesome. <laughs> See, I totally lost it when he lost the mustache. I was signed off. That's another question, Jared. Why does he not go out on the streets with that wig? If he has a mustache, why not put on the wig and they can be like, it was Spanish Slash from Guns N' Roses. He's the one that beat me up. <laughs> not a master of disguise. This escaped mental patient. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, the angles that we take on these things. Uh. See, you and I differ because I actually came around on this one. I, I didn't know. <laughs> well, because the, the concept of it, I, I knew because I was like, well, that'll kind of pair with Tales from the Dark Side because the yeah. through line with that one is, in that case, a kid and this uh, witch or something has got him tied up and he has to, the kid has to tell her stories to, to keep himself alive. And this one, I guess it's the... Uh, abductor that is having to make his case as we've already stated maybe not in the <laughs> the clearest uh cleanest fashion but I, I i end up digging it because it, it just didn't go the direction i would think and i also i mean 2020 my goodness i can't imagine this movie existing or being made <laughs> i cannot imagine someone who's uh you're gonna kidnap a woman has sex with her and then she falls in love with her i i mean i just i can't imagine what Twitter would say about this one, and okay. yeah, I'll, I don't. So I'm sorry that I'm just not as woke as you, Jared. That I uh, <laughs> I enjoy this particular type of titillation. 
I guess. <laughs> Just go ahead and tell me who to t- tell me to, to who to vote for, Jared. Uh, I mean, you know, is Brittany Lau rope? <laughs> Brittany Lau rope in the house. <laughs> I uh, I don't know about rope. I'm gonna get some bathtub toys, though. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> the scotch on the rocks please any scotch will do as long as it's not a blend of course uh single malt plenolivet plenfittic perhaps maybe a blend gown any blend i'm thirsty i want a beer what about you you want a beer just a drink, a martini, shaken, not stirred. You know, that hard work, that Kathy Bates grinded out <laughs> hustle <laughs> becomes attractive. I you love me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just in the execution, Antonio. Your heart's in the right place. <laughs> yeah, like, here's a positive review. This is one of the most twisted, fucked up movies I've ever seen, and I absolutely loved it. I don't know why I, I mean, I guess you have to qualify it as part of the plot, but mm. I, I don't know... I don't think, I guess I just don't watch movies in that regard where whatever the characters do, I feel like is a reflection of me if I enjoyed mm. the movie or not. Because otherwise, how would we, how would we watch entire genres of film of, you know, war or slasher movies, destruction, even rom coms where <laughs> there's any manner of slut shaming or gaslighting, mm. any of that, which is just fun sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many movies we're losing. I mean, what, what is the, you know, what is the greater loss here? <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. Look, Jared, I could be one of those asshole podcasters that goes on mm-hmm. about the color palette of this film and oh, you know, well, we all don't of that. that. We don't, we don't do that here. <laughs> no, uh, Scuba Steve is a butt plug. <laughs> Yeah, that's our speed right there. <laughs> Get Scuba Steve up in there. 